Okay, three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Today is Friday, December 13th. Friday the 13th. Wow. Um, it's, uh, you know, I, I'm really tired. And I, it's very interesting how doing that intro just gets me psyched. Like, no matter how tired or drained or so much, how much I'm struggling, that intro just gets me going. Um, I've been up all night. I, uh, I had a longer episode planned. I cut some stuff out. I said, look, I got to just record what I have and get it recorded and put it on the internet. Um, you know, I had a, uh, I was hoping to do a weekly, just, I'm, I'm doing a weekly hockey uh, like a episode or weekly hockey, how do I put it? A weekly hockey segment once a, I guess once a week because that's how weekly works. I was gonna start that today. I'm gonna move that back. I really don't want to rush that out. You know, the first time I ever make a hockey video or a hockey topic, I don't want to rush that. I want to get it right and represent myself well and know what I'm talking about. I do a lot of research, and so I'm gonna push that back till a day I, I can do a little more preparation and get it right. Um, I'm about to get on a plane and fly to Cincinnati, Ohio, literally in like. Three hours. I don't know how I'm going to get this uploaded in time. I might literally be uploading this from a hotel room later tonight. Um, you know, I I did not watch the Ravens and the Jets. I recorded it, hoping if it was a good game, I'd watch it. Uh, the Ravens beat the Jets 42-21. to Lamar Jackson had five touchdown passes. Uh, he broke the quarterback rushing record for a single season. I'm sure he was phenomenal. Uh, again, I recorded it. I It was a blowout. I just wasn't interested in it. Um, you know, someday I'll watch the Ravens and the Jets game. Because someday I'll do a film analysis of Lamar Jackson. Someday I'll do a film analysis of Sam Darnold. And I'll have to watch that for those. Um, but for now, I, I don't have any interest in that game. I just, I'm not going to fake or pretend to be interested in a game that I, I just don't have any interest in. I do want to start here today. Um, if you're an NFL fan, there are five. There are five really great NFL games this weekend. It's NFL Week 15. I want to start with this. Number one, the number one game on the list to me is the Bears at the Packers. This is a huge game for the Bears quarterback, Mitchell Trubisky. He has had, I mean, this is a critical game. He's had two weeks in a row, really good performances. Can he build off the past, or is he going to go back to the way he's been playing all year? You know, I've been really critical of him all year. And the last two weeks, he's played phenomenal. And for the first time ever, I've gone, oh, maybe this Mitchell Trubisky thing could work in Chicago. Will he go back down to earth against the Packers on Sunday, or... Will he continue his progression and keep getting better? That is what I cannot wait to see. He needs to keep it going. He needs to stay on an upward trajectory. The Packers are 10-3. and three. The Bears are 7-6. and six. This is a huge matchup. The person I care about, really the only reason I care about this game, is well, can the Packers keep their good record going and keep their standing in the NFC North? And can Mitchell Drabisky continue his quarterback progression? The second game I'm interested in this weekend, this is a huge game. It's one of the biggest games all year. This is... The Texans at the Titans. Both teams are 8-5. and five. This is the battle for their division, the AFC South. And I'll be honest, the Titans are red hot right now. I feel bad that the Houston Texans have to travel, go on the road to play against them. Man, Ryan Tannehill, their quarterback, is playing phenomenal right now. Um, I don't have a lot of confidence in the Texans this weekend. I don't. Um, I think that the Titans might grab hold of their division this week. And if there was ever a game, you know, Bill O'Brien... The narrative constantly about Bill O'Brien, the Texans head coach, is whether or not he should be fired. Here is a huge opportunity for Bill O'Brien, the Texans head coach, to prove how good of a head coach he is and how prepared he can get his team. 
Um, just opportunities all over the place for Bill O'Brien, for the Titans to take over the division. Both teams are 8-5. and five. Uh, If you're going to watch one game this weekend, I really recommend Titans-Texans. It should be fun. It should be, I, look, if it, I'd be shocked if one of the teams blew each other out. I think it's going to be close and intense all the way through. Uh, watch the Titans at the Texans, or the Texans, the Houston Texans at the Titans if you want a really good football game to watch this weekend. Number three, we have the Broncos at the Chiefs. Um, let's be real. The Chiefs are probably going to win this football game, but the Broncos rookie quarterback Drew Locke is making his third ever NFL head start. Uh, NFL start, not head start. There's no such thing as a head start. Uh, he's making his third ever NFL start, and he's doing it in his home state of Missouri. Uh, he grew up in Missouri. He played college football in Missouri for Mizzou. Drew Locke is going home. Um, and I'm curious. I just love watching Drew Locke. He's, he's made, made a lot of progression, and he played pretty ugly last week, but he still had great stats and looked really good. And so can he keep getting better? Uh, we'll find out. I think he's got a tough task against the Kansas City Chiefs this weekend, but I really want to watch Drew Locke and how he plays on Sunday. Number four, we have the Rams at the Cowboys. Uh, this feels like a trap game for the Cowboys. The Rams are... Eight and five, they're they're still a very solid football team, and I think the Cowboys are going to lose this game, and it's going to make their head coach Jason Garrett look even worse than he already looks. Um, man, I don't know. I, you know, I watched for my former high school teammate Samson Abicom. He's a defensive end for the Rams. Um, I think the Rams could walk away with this game. You know, like you know, taking the lead and making the lead greater at the end of the fourth quarter. Um, I'm I am concerned for the Cowboys. I think they're going to lose on Sunday to the Rams at home too. And it's going to be embarrassing, and I, I don't understand, really. I get it that they lead their division, but it's weird to me that the Cowboys head coach, Jason Garrett, still has his job, quite frankly. Um, he's the problem in Dallas, and I, I every week I come on and say, I don't know how he's still there. I get it. They lead their division, and it's weird to fire the coach when he leads their division, but they kind of lead by default. He hasn't really earned it. The Cowboys are just lucky to play in a division that is absolutely horrendous, and so... Um, I think the coaching flaws in Dallas are going to show a lot on Sunday against the Rams. The fifth game, I guess, you know, there, there are two really good games this weekend. There is the Texans at the Titans, and then there's this game, the Bills at the Steelers. The Bills are 9-4, and four, the Steelers are 8-5. and five. Both of these two teams are possible wildcard teams in the AFC playoffs. In fact, if the playoffs started today, they would be the two wildcard teams. Um, I believe the Bills are a better football team. And I would be shocked if the Bills lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers. They have a better quarterback. I think they have a slightly better defense. There's a really cool storyline in this game. Sean McDermott, the head coach of the Bills, and Mike Tomlin, the head coach of the Steelers, they were college teammates at the College of William and Mary. They both played on defense together. It's just fascinating and cool. Like, I, you know, I, I, it's rare you find that where you have two former college teammates coaching against each other years later. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. I think it's going to be a close game. I think the Bills do win. I'd be very surprised if they actually lost this game, given that they have a better quarterback. And, a, a, you know, I, I really like Duck Hodges. He's a great story, the Steelers quarterback. He's more limited. Um, and I think that against this really good Bills defense, he could falter a little bit. Um, but I expect the Bills to win. Regardless, I hope for a good game. And we will find out. Those are the five really great games for the NFL Week 15 coming up. All right, uh, I want to shift gears to this. There's a, I, I must be the only person in the world who notices this. I look at the contracts that are being given out in Major League Baseball right now, and they just seem, man, they're, they're just huge and kind of absurd. I have two examples. Starting pitcher Steven Strasburg, the Nationals just signed him to a seven-year, 
$245 million contract. That's $35 million a year. Now, he was the World Series MVP. He's a big deal. He's a great pitcher. Obviously, he's in his prime right now. Um, but still, it's wild that he's 31 years old and just got a seven-year contract where every year in the next seven years, he's going to make $35 million. He'll be 38 years old when that contract expires. Now, another weird contract, the Yankees gave pitcher Garrett Cole a nine-year, $324 million contract. Nine years. That's $36 million a year for nine years. Now, he's 29, so he'll also be 38 when this contract is up. The numbers, to me, being given out in baseball are insane. I get it that baseball doesn't have a salary cap. And some teams have a ton of cash to spend. In fact, a lot of people were like, where's all the money coming from? Ratings are, you know, people are going to less games. You got to, I don't think people understand how much money baseball makes. Baseball makes bucket loads of money. Baseball, you might not know this, makes more money than the NFL. In 2018, the MLB, Major League Baseball, had $10.3 billion in revenue in 2018. $10.3 billion. Now, for context, the NFL, the, the more popular on paper, the, the league that everyone, I would believe the NFL makes more money, totally false. The, NA, the NFL, the National Football League, made $8.1 billion. Baseball made $2 billion more than the NFL. Baseball has a ton of money, and I don't think people outside of the baseball world really understand how much money is thrown around in baseball. Still, it's weird to me that is no one going to talk about the fact that there are these just gigantic contracts being given out in Major League Baseball that are so clearly going to end horribly. You know, Steven Strasburg may be really good for the next ah, four years, four, maybe even five years. But by year six or seven, maybe even year five of that contract, he is not going to be the same player. But the problem is you're still going to be paying him $35 million even once he's fallen off a cliff, even once he's no longer the same and, you know, I just don't – there is a thing here, like, I, we'll talk about it in a minute, but you, we saw a very similar thing with Albert Pujols. Albert Pujols signed a gigantic contract. He fell off a cliff. He's not the same player, but he's still making millions of dollars today, even though physically he's not able to compete at all the way he was years ago. This is, the, I, this is an accepted part of baseball I don't understand. I know I'm kind of an outsider. I'm more of a football guy. Um, but, you know, you give a guy a seven-year contract – and by year four, five, really by year five, six, or seven, the last three years of that contract, he's not going to be the same guy. Garrett Cole's contract is even worse. It's a nine-year contract. Garrett Cole could be great till he's 35, still have more year, three more years on that contract and be worthless. And what's more surprising to me is baseball fans are totally cool with this, with their team just wasting millions of dollars for at least three years on a bad contract that's at least a contract that's going to be bad. It's just this weird phenomenon. You get a guy in his prime, so the next four years, Steven Strasburg ideally could be in his prime. Okay, great. But to get the guy in his prime, you have to overly pay him. You have to pay him way more than he's worth in his older years once he's fallen off that cliff. It's like a, it's like a tax. In order to get the next four years of the prime from a player... You also got to pay for the last three years of his career, a seven-year total contract where he's just awful at the end of that contract. I don't get it. It's like a star player in their prime tax. I don't know what to. I don't have a shorter name to call that, um, but I just don't get why. Why don't you pay him for four years and then, hey, at the end of that fourth year, let's evaluate: Are you still worth 
$35 million a year. And I get it. Like, that's the market. If the Nationals don't pay him that money, another team will. And the Nationals would rather have him for the next four years, even if they're overpaying him for the last three, to get him in his prime. I I understand the economics of it. It's just weird to me that baseball is so accepting of it. Baseball fans are like, that's a great contract. We got it. It's like, but you understand, you're going to be giving him probably around $90 million once he's out of his prime and no longer the great starting pitcher he is now. Um, I don't get it. I, I In other sports, you, if a guy had four years left in his prime, you'd give him a four-year contract, maybe a fifth year for good measure, and then you would reevaluate. Baseball just seems to throw money away constantly. And I get it. There's a ton of money. That's the culture of baseball. There's no salary cap. But my problem is that not, it's not really a problem. Like Baseball can do whatever it wants. But it seems bizarre to an outsider like me how willing and accepting of this that fans are. We're just going to give money away to a contract that's going to be awful in the final years of that, just giving millions and millions and millions away. I just, frankly, uh, I think it's kind of bizarre. And I, I just, I just kind of want, I would really love a guy like John Boy Media or, uh, oh my gosh, um, this is a guy named David. He was on Survivor Kagian. He's an NF, he, was a, he was a Miami Marlins president. He has like a YouTube show out there. Can I get them on the show? Can I get someone who understands more about baseball to explain to me how this works? Because I, I frankly am just befuddled why baseball is so accepting of these contracts that are very clearly going to end badly. If you have an insight to that, please leave a comment below. This whole topic is me asking a question. What's going on? Why is it so accepted in baseball to have a contract that's going to end badly and just nobody has a problem with it. We'll just, we'll just give away $90 million at the end of Steven Strasburg's contract, and it's just totally fine, totally accepted. Is that really the price of having him in his prime? If it is, fine. But to me, that just seems weird, and baseball has a weird culture that other sports just don't have. All right. Um, I'm really excited. I'm going to my first ever NFL game this weekend. I've been really struggling recently. I'm super excited for this trip. I need a break to get away uh, my dad and I are going to Cincinnati to watch the Patriots play the Bengals. And uh, apparently nobody wants to go to Cincinnati to freeze in the frozen tundra with, you know, and watch the Bengals. Um, you know, the reason I'm going, it's incredibly cheap. We got really cheap tickets. I'm really excited. Um, and I have no idea how long Tom Brady is planning to play in the NFL. I have a ton of respect for Tom Brady. He's been my... Really my favorite quarterback growing up. Just his story is so inspiring to me. Uh, it's debatable whether or not he is the greatest quarterback of all time. But he certainly is the most accomplished quarterback of all time. And I want to see him play live and in person before it's all said and done. So it's going to be a fun trip. I'm really lucky. Uh, my dad works in the food industry. He's going to go interview some people. We're going to talk to Skyline Chili. He's going to do an interview with them. Holtzman's Donuts. Holt- Holtman's Donuts, I believe it's what it's called. And Cincinnati's a big deal there. He's interviewing the people there too. I'm just excited for the trip. It's going to be cold, but it's going to be fun. Um, I get to go to my first ever NFL game. We're going to watch Tom Brady. And uh, I I think some people believe that I'm a Patriots fan. I want to make it very clear, set the record straight. I'm not. I'm not a Patriots fan. I just really like Tom Brady. If you want to call me a fan of anything, it's a fan of Tom Brady. I don't really give two craps if the Patriots win or lose. For me, I just want to watch Tom Brady. I'm a football nerd. And seeing Tom Brady play live before he retires, before it's all said and done, 
just feels like a historic cool thing. It's kind of like going to see the, you know, the people that got to see the Beatles play live before the Beatles were done touring. Those people have a special memory that they'll always be able to say, I got to watch the Beatles play live. For the rest of my life, I'm going to be able to say, I got to watch Tom Brady, who's one of the greatest of all times to do it, play live. And that's really cool to me. And um, I'm just so excited for this trip, man. I'm excited to go to Cincinnati. I'm excited to freeze my butt off in the cold weather. And uh, let's hope our flight doesn't get delayed. But uh, on to Cincinnati. That's, I'm really excited. And I ha- I'm going to have my first ever NFL experience this weekend. Uh, I told you guys this would be a very short episode. I don't have a lot. I just wanted to record it before I leave because I know that I'm literally getting on a plane in two hours. I, I had a bunch of other stuff I was working on. It just, it's not done. I recorded an episode like four hours ago and I just was like, I better get this out too. So I'm going to put it out. Uh, the, the way I'm going to end the show today is with our weekly NBA check-in. So if the playoffs started today, th- you know, first of all, let me be very clear. This is our weekly NBA check-in. And if the playoffs started today, here is how the Eastern Conference would shake out. The number one seed in the Eastern Conference would be the Milwaukee Bucks. They are 22-3. and They've won 16 games in a row. And, man, Giannis is on a tear. The Greek freak is playing phenomenal. He just won the MVP, and it seems like he's playing better. His jump shot's getting better. He had a quote when he lost in the playoffs. He said, I'm going to come back and become an even better player. He found a way to accomplish that, and I, I just am so impressed. Every time I watch Giannis with his work ethic. And it really seems like, you know, I I said one of the storylines I was curious to watch going into the year for the NBA is would Giannis be able to take his team farther in the playoffs? Right now, if he keeps playing the way he is, he's going to be able to lead his team on a longer run, maybe beat teams like the 76ers who on paper have more stars but aren't necessarily better. And the 76ers are are the weirdest kind of mashup of players I've ever seen. You ever heard of like a greatest hits album? Actually, here's a better example. The Philadelphia 76ers have a bunch of stars. They have five stars on their roster. Joel Embiid, Josh Richardson, Tobias Harris. Um, what's the Al Horford? Why, what's the, why can't I remember the name of their point guard right now? It's fleeting my mind. You know who it is. It's the really tall guy who can't shoot, who has hit a couple jump shots uh, so far this year, which is very interesting. Ben Simmons is his name. Look, it's not that I don't know his name. It's just in moments like this when I'm on the spot, I forget them. Um, the Philadelphia 76ers have five guys that are just an incredible, they're, they're really good basketball players individually, but when you put them together, it just isn't quite meshing yet. And maybe it'll take time and they're going to get better eventually. But the analogy I would make is that if you took the, the most played songs from 2018 last year or 2019 so far this year, if you take the, the most played songs and put them on a CD together or an album together, they wouldn't work. You'd have like little Nas's old town road and then a country song, and then Adele, and then Post Malone. And just the flow of the album would be very weird. to be like, this, the order of this, just because you took songs that on their own are all really, really great, when you put them together, it doesn't necessarily make them better. And right now, that's how the Philadelphia 76ers are playing. So again, the seeding in the Eastern Conference looks like this. The number two seed is the Miami Heat. They are 18 and 6. Now the three seed is the Philadelphia 76ers. They're 19 and 7. But on paper, their roster should be at the top. They don't have a great bench, but they're the five-star players they have. You would think, wow, they'd be winning. They'd be playing a lot better. And maybe, again, to be clear, maybe the 76ers are going to get better as the year goes on. They're just learning how to play together. But right now, currently, they're not really meeting the expectation they had for them. Given their roster, given the five stars they have, they should be the number one seed, and they're not. They're just not playing the, to the same level as the Milwaukee Bucks. It's very fascinating to me.
Now, the number four seed in the Eastern Conference are, is the Boston Celtics. They're 17-7. and seven. The Toronto Raptors, without Kawhi, they're still doing well. They're 16-8. They're the number five seed. The Indiana Pacers are 16-9. and nine. They're the sixth seed. The number seven seed is the Brooklyn Nets. They're 13-11. and 11. And the Orlando Magic are 11-13. and 13. They are the eighth seed. They would make it into the playoffs right now if the Eastern Conference playoffs started today. Now, the worst team in the NBA's Eastern Conference is the New York Knicks. And they just fired their head coach, David Fisdale. And I... It's very interesting to me. He always struck me as, a, first of all, a great guy. I thought he was a good head coach. And I don't think that he's the real issue here. I think Dave Fisdale is kind of the scapegoat taking the fall. Someone's got to be blamed for their bad start. Um, I think the real issue, number one, is the owner, James Dolan, is clearly a gigantic problem in New York. I don't know how they're going to win with James Dolan as the owner. But number two, why is the coach getting the blame when the people above him seem to be the problem? Uh, the team president, Stephen Mills, is not great. I think that um, you know Scott Perry, the next general manager, they've been there for a long time, and they're the people who built the roster. They're the people who made decisions on the players that play in New York. I think you know building a terrible roster than blaming the coach when he loses, it's just weird. It's not the coach's fault if you built a terrible roster and traded away good players. <laughs> Porzingis is gone. It's like, you, you traded away Porzingis and got nothing for him. I, it's all weird to me. I just I think that the the New York Knicks are clearly a gigantic mess. They're blaming the wrong people. Fizdale's not a bad coach, and I I just all of it is weird and bizarre. And the way the Knicks are being run is so so terrible right now in New York. Now, one of the best stories and one of the more fascinating stories in the last week is about Trey Young, uh, a young rookie, I guess a second year player for the Atlanta Hawks. In a game against the Miami Heat earlier this week, the Hawks scored with 59 seconds left. That gave them a six point lead. 117 to 111 over the Miami Heat. And when that happened, when they scored that bucket, Trey Young went to the crowd and said, It's over! He was all proud and celebrating. And um, <laughs> the irony of it is that the Miami Heat came back and won the game. They took the game to overtime. And then they won by 14 points in overtime, 135 to 121. The game was not over. And it's a lesson for Trey Young. Don't celebrate early. And man, this is a team, the Atlanta Hawks, that need to learn how to win. It's just a bad look. Trey Young is a guy, he's growing, he's learning. And it's very clear the Atlanta Hawks, especially from this game, this, this prime example, they're a team that's still learning how to win. They had an opportunity against the Miami Heat and they blew it. Um, that, that's disappointing that they couldn't finish there because they had everything was working for them. And then they just got, you know, the Heat went on a gigantic run. Jimmy Butler went on its hair, shooting incredibly well. I think it was like they went on like a 22 to nothing run at one point. Uh, maybe from that point on is what it was. I can't remember. Um, but the Hawks are learning how to win. And that moment with Trey Young boasting about their lead and then losing it very quickly is just a prime example of how young the Hawks are and how much they have left to learn and left to grow as an NBA franchise. We also need to give a shout out to the Indiana Pacers. They're 16 and 9. They're sixth in the Western Con- in the Eastern Conference, excuse me, in the Eastern Conference. And they've been playing and winning even without their star player, Victor Oladipo. Uh, he ruptured his right quad tendon uh, in his right leg in January. And uh, he hasn't played at all this year. He's been out since January. He hasn't played an NBA game in a long time. And it's still not clear when he's going to come back. That's the newer news that recently came out. Um, it's, first of all, it's really impressive that the Pacers are still making it work without their best player. But I just, I got to say, I love Victor Oladipo. 
Um, he I became a fan of his in 2018 when the Pacers played LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers in the NBA playoffs. They took the they took LeBron James to a seven game series. They lost in Game Seven, and after losing Game Seven with a very clear mind, very calmly, Victor Oladipo told a story about how someone had told him to you know take a little break now and go enjoy his life. And it was very serious. I looked at the camera and was like, this is my life. And it was very clear. Basketball is everything to Victor Oladipo. That was the day I said, I'm all in. I love Victor Oladipo. I'm on board of this guy. His attitude, his mentality is one that I, I really admire and love. And so I just was impressed by him. And it's very unfortunate that he's out. But it's really cool that the Pacers are able to stay afloat without him. And they're just going to get even better, I believe, when he does eventually return to their roster. So... Uh, keep your eye on the Indiana Pacers. They're playing well without their star player. They'll get them back eventually and hopefully take another step forward and become an even better, more successful basketball team. Now let's look at the Western Conference. The NBA playoffs started today. The Western Conference would look like this. The number one seed in the West would be the LA Lakers. They are 22-3. and three. They're playing phenomenal. Uh, they're just a great basketball team. Now the second seed would be the LA Clippers. They're 19-7. and seven. The Dallas Mavericks are the third seed. They're 17 and 7. The Houston Rockets are 16 and 8. They're the fourth seed. The Denver Nuggets are the fifth seed. They're 15 and 8. Utah Jazz at 14 11 are the sixth seed. The seventh seed is the Sacramento Kings. They're 11 and 13. And the Phoenix Suns at 11 and 13 are also, or I guess they're also 11 and 13, but they are the eighth seed right now. I want to give a shout out to Luka Doncic. Um, he just had a 41-point game and a triple-double against the Detroit Pistons. He's averaging 30, po- uh, 30 points per game. They played a game in, in Mexico. It was awesome. He had a really cool moment where he addressed the crowd in Spanish and was like really well articulate. Clearly, I don't know if he speaks Spanish, but it's pretty clear. Like I would think he does because he, he very eloquently said a lot, like, way more than just a sentence or a couple words. He said like a whole phrase and addressed the crowd very calmly and easily uh, in Spanish. It was really, really cool. Now, Luka Doncic is probably the best 20-year-old player we've ever had in the NBA. You know, he's, he's, just, he's just lighting it up. He's on a tear. He regularly scores you know, 30, 40 points a night. Um, and a big reason for this, why is he the best 20-year-old player we've ever seen? It's because he started playing professional basketball when he was 15 years old. He spent four years in the European League developing, becoming a player. And, and in Europe, it's far less about physical ability and it's more about developing your skill and to hang around in that league and have success is so impressive to me um and this is why it really developed his game and it's why Luca is so much farther ahead of other guys that are his age at 20 years old he's just been playing professional basketball for a lot longer at a higher level being challenged by older guys um and being challenged to be a more technical basketball player and that's why I just love watching Luca man he's a cool story and again, he's probably the best 20-year-old basketball player we have ever seen. Now, we have, uh, we have one more thing I want to talk about. Um, you know, Kevin Love has requested to be traded from the Cleveland Cavaliers. He's from Portland, Oregon. Uh, he, well, he really, he's from Lake Oswego, Oregon, which is like 10 minutes from downtown, 10, 15 minutes from downtown Portland. Um, he's a 5-10-time NBA All-Star. He plays for the Cleveland Cavaliers. He's on the trading block. It's pretty clear he's probably going to get traded before the NBA All-Star break. He has said he wants to go to the Portland Trailblazers. He's from the Portland metro area, so am I. Um, It would be really cool to get him. I'm not a a Blazers fan, but I know for him to come home, I think would mean a lot to him. Can you imagine if you're an NBA player and you can go live in your hometown? You can go live in Lake Oswego, 
get a house in Laco, drive into Portland to play basketball games. Um, I think just for the sake of Kevin Love, it'd be awesome. It's a great way for him to end his career would be at home in Portland. And that's a story I love as a guy coming home, a guy making a homecoming to his hometown to be with his family and play basketball and do the thing he loves. I think that'd be really cool. And so the storyline I'm rooting for right now is I want Kevin Love to go to Portland. I guess to come, I'm in Portland, to come to Portland and um, you know play for his hometown basketball team that he grew up a fan of. That's kind of a storyline I'm really rooting for as we we're not any we're not quite near the the all-star break yet, but that the ideas start circulating and trades, rumors and all kinds of stuff keep coming around. The question is what trades are gonna happen before the all-star break. Um, that's one I really want to see. I want to see Kevin Love get traded to the Portland Trailblazers. That'd be awesome. And um I, I really hope that happens because Kevin Love coming home is a good story. Really anytime a player comes home, but that's where he wants to be with his family, living like Oswego. And I'm rooting for Kevin Love to get traded to Portland. I would really love to see that. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. That is all I have. Uh, Remember, if you're struggling, go get help. It's a big deal if you're having a hard time. The suicide hotline is 1-800-273-8255. 1-800-273-8255. If you're struggling, go get help. Do not suffer in silence. And make sure you tell the people in your life how much you care about them. Uh, You may not be the one struggling, but they might be the one struggling. And so... Don't be afraid to have a conversation that's got a little more depth than sports or movies or video games. Tell the people in your life how much you love them. Make sure they're doing well. Ask, in, ask for, you know, if they need anything, check in with your friends. And uh, if they really are struggling and they're having a hard time, refer them to get professional help because a counselor, a real professional, can do a far better job than you can. But if you don't start that conversation, you'll never know if they need help. So I encourage you, if you're struggling, go get help. And then ask your friends if they're struggling And don't be afraid to start conversations to find out if your friends are the ones having a hard time. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so very much for tuning in. I hope you have a great weekend. Uh, We will be back. The show will be back next week. We'll have a great weekend. I'm going to spend the weekend writing, I promise. On the beginning of next week, I'll have a gigantic, big, awesome show. Um, I just want to say thank you so much. I really love you guys. And uh, I'm going to have a great weekend in Cincinnati. So uh, without further ado, ba-dum-bum, bam, we are done.